This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. A moment to remind you that this month, Film Study is brought to you by Manscaped. Support for this episode comes from Manscaped. Manscaped has the right tools to get the job done quickly, safely, and hygienically. Um, go ahead and get check out Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Use the code BIRDLAND for 20% off. It's summertime. You need Manscaped. It's the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. They have forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0. It's constantly a number one recommended gift for men. You should check it out. It's getting warm out. You can use it. Use the code BIRDLAND for 20% off at Manscaped.com. Do yourself a favor and get the best tools for the job. And as their slogan always says, your balls will thank you.
folks, this is another film study. Here today on an interesting topic, a little bit out of my own league here, admittedly, today. I'm here with Eli Goodman, and we're going to talk a little bit about fantasy football, something I've, I've never taken any time to play, believe it or not, but uh, uh, happy to talk to Eli about it. And Eli has some thoughts about the Ravens receivers in fantasy football. How you doing, Eli? Hey, I'm good. How about you? No complaints. Uh, so uh, you getting through COVID okay? We still concerned we'll have a football season? Yeah, I am. Uh, fantasy season too, because you know a lot of people they, they pay money for their leagues. So for me as a league manager, I'm going to be getting a lot of money, and then I have to assure the players they get it back if the season doesn't get canceled. So you know it can be some complications there, but overall, you know I'm hopeful that we'll be able to get through it okay. All right. All right, so now one of the things I got from you was a file with some interesting-looking projections for the various receivers. You want to jump right into that, or do you have some other things you want to talk about first? Um, yeah, I think uh, – so I have, like, maybe just do a review of the Ravens' offense first in 2019 because for fantasy purposes, uh, it was pretty historic in terms of a few things. Like Lamar Jackson, he had the, the highest-scoring uh, fantasy total for any quarterback in NFL history, uh, averaged 28.11 points per game in 2019, higher than anyone in history. Uh, so I think, you know, as Ravens fans, uh, those of us who took Lamar Jackson kind of had an idea of how good he could be. Uh, you know, we turned out pretty well in our fantasy leagues last season. So, so a, lot of, a lot of times fantasy totals don't line up with actual value, but in this case, I think that sounds like pretty much in line with actual value because Lamar Jackson had one of the greatest years in NFL history, certainly for a quarterback. Oh, absolutely, yes. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please yeah. continue. <laughs> sure. So, you know, the Ravens offense, uh, as you've detailed in many of your podcasts, Ken, in general was, you know, uh, incredibly, incredibly productive uh, for fantasy, had a lot of productive players, too. Um, I think just because of how uh, productive the Ravens offense was, a little regression to the mean is likely even if the players perform as well. So I think from a fantasy perspective, you can expect that somewhat. I think Lamar Jackson, even if he plays as well or even better than last season, it's likely he might not, you know, have the best season for a fantasy quarterback ever twice in a row. So I think I that's agree. one thing when you're you know, looking at players from the Ravens this year, they're going to be rated very highly because of what they did last year. So it's good to be mindful of the fact that regression is a statistical likelihood to happen, and that does impact their value somewhat. What about other types of regression? So the Ravens, no doubt, I agree with you completely that Lamar could be just as good, and there's no way he'll have as good a statistical season as he did last year. Another thing that was really historic about the Ravens last year, and, and some of this is the defense, was their ability to pile up big leads, uh, you know, put the offense in good position to score, uh, get the other team off the field when they were accumulating leads on offense so that they had very comfortable situations defensively and offensively. They ran the ball very effectively from the lead, but this next year I'd expect them to have to throw more passes, period. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think they probably will throw more because uh, for the exact reasons you said, though I would say overall with respect to the rest of the league that the Ravens are a low-volume passing offense. So in a PPR league, that means points per reception, uh, their players probably aren't as valuable as a standard league where they don't assign points per reception. And then you have uh, 0.5 PPR leagues, which is where both my leagues are in, where you get half a point per reception. So that's sort of uh, an average of the two. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so in a point per reception league, approximately what percentage of a 
players, a skill position player, non-quarterbacks, um, value comes from the receptions themselves? I would say uh, it depends if you're looking at running backs or receivers because the average depth of target plays a factor into that. If running backs catch a lot more dump-offs, they have lower yards per reception, their points uh, per reception will be more valuable. Whereas wide receivers who might be like a deep threat, you might not have someone who is who might catch less passes, but they catch them for more yards. So I would say for points per reception, maybe 30% of the points come from receptions if I had to take a guess off the top of my head. Okay. All right, interesting. And that includes there's there's an adjustment for touchdowns. Again, I am a complete novice when it comes to fantasy football. It's it's a, a point per 10 yards, six points per touchdown? Yes, correct. Okay. And then you throw in a point per reception. So a typical receiver may be a 1,200-yard receiver who's probably pretty good still for a, for a fantasy league, right, is going to be getting, uh, let's say, 80 yards a game or a little bit less. Let's call it 75. And then uh, so that's 7.5. And what, about eight touchdowns on the season? Yeah. Three that, right? there is 10 and a half. And then he'd get how many receptions to fuel that? He'd get uh, maybe 75 again? Yeah. Um. Okay. All right. That gives me an idea. Okay. Yeah. So I thought we could uh, go through. So what I did is I went to fantasypros.com, which is a very useful tool for fantasy football. They take uh, compilations for rankings, projections, uh, ADP, which means average draft position. And they sort of put that, you know, they take lots of different expert opinions and, uh, information from different leagues like ESPN, Yahoo, uh, whatever it may be, and compiles it into one ranking system. So what I did is I got the um, the Ravens players who I think have fantasy value, and I sort of made a list of what their projections are, and I thought we could go through, uh, do we expect them to overperform or underperform, or are their projections about right? Sounds fun. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, first up, I have... Uh, I have Hollywood Brown. So his projections are 62 receptions for 814 yards, seven touchdowns. Uh, They have him with 59 rushed yards. And so in standard, that's uh, about 127 and a half points per game. Uh, Sorry, 127 points total for the season, seven and a half points per game. Uh, In PPR, it's uh, about... 189 and a half points uh, and then 11 points per game. He is both in standard and in PPR. He is the 32nd receiver ta- uh, taken on average. Okay. So help me with a little bit of the math here. I, if I take seven and a half points per game, I multiply that by 16, I get 120. What's the, what's the difference between the standard points and the points per game there in terms of how you calculate them? Uh, that is, is a good well the points per game i mean it could be uh it it can vary because sometimes if you have a 17 game fantasy season versus 16 game fantasy season uh those can differ in terms of some leagues go the full 17 weeks some leagues only go to 16 weeks okay that that kind of makes sense so so it divides out effectively all his production over 17 weeks instead of over 16 weeks is what you're telling me uh it could be yeah It's, it's possible so um, uh, that's, I think that's actually going to be like right on the money when I do it that way. If I take 7.5 and it's, it's going to be some fractional number beyond that, multiply by 17, I get 127.5. So that sounds like 
where you are. Okay. Yeah. That sounds right. All right. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's an education. I appreciate that. So, uh, we want to go an over under on Hollywood here. Are we, uh, yeah. Um, I am on the over for Hollywood and just about everything besides touchdowns are a little hard to predict, but I could see the over there too. Um, a few reasons I think that are, uh, one is that Hollywood's going to be healthy this season. And when these sites do these projections, a lot of it is based on last season, what their stats were. And they do factor in like age and stuff like that. But I think Hollywood coming off the list, Frank, in his rookie year, he was limited. He had an ankle injury during the season that he battled this year. If he's fully healthy, I think he's going to be, in addition to having the second year jump that a lot of players make, uh, he's going to be just much healthier and that'll make him a lot better as well. Yeah, I agree. The health health should be a big factor. Coming back from the list, Frank, and and the screws are out of his foot now. He played with them in his foot last year. Reportedly, he couldn't hit anywhere near his top speed during the season, which is scary, considering the ease with which he got deep last year. But I I, I look also at just some other factors you're seeing this offseason. One of all, if you've seen his work on the jugs gun, have you seen those videos? Yeah, I have. Yeah, un- unbelievable. And his connection with um, Lamar is very apparent. I know Lamar really wants to be, you know, a, a, a man of all the receivers, but his connection with Hollywood is something really special. And I, I look for them to have a, a true breakout year this year. And I'm not predicting what people are predicting. We're predicting for Lee Evans, but I think I would be mild, mildly surprised if he does not have a thousand yard season and he stays healthy. I don't think that exact is going to happen. I, I think you yeah. really have to get hurt to not get a thousand yards. Yeah, I definitely think he's going to be above a thousand yards. Could be, you know, a few hundred yards over a thousand if he's completely healthy. I could definitely see him uh, in the range of maybe even like 80 receptions, 1,200, 1,300 yards if he's fully healthy. And some interesting stats I have. Uh, so I got this one from Matthew Berry, who's one of the lead fantasy analysts, and his column 100 Facts. Uh, so Hollywood averaged 14.8 uh, uh, PPR points per game in the nine games where he was targeted at least four times. So that's a really solid points per game figure. And it just sort of goes to show when he's targeted, he really does well. And I think maybe the Ravens might have limited his snaps somewhat last year, didn't target him as much because they knew he had these issues. So I think if he's fully healthy and there's no restrictions, he'll be targeted more. And one more stat to add on to that is he had a 134.4 passer rating when targeted, which was actually the top in the league for any wide receiver, rookie or not. So right. I really expect big things for Hollywood next season in, in real football and especially in fantasy football, too. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, last year he had 8.2 yards per target, which is is OK, but it's not outstanding for it for a wide receiver, especially for a number one wide receiver. The Ravens have only had four guys in their history ever top 10 yards per target. Mark Andrews, as a rookie, is the all-time record holder at, at 11.04 yards per target. It would not surprise me if Marquise Brown is next in the 10-yard per target group this year. In fact, it would kind of surprise me if he wouldn't. But for him to get up to 1,300 yards, say, just to put that in perspective, even assuming a very generous 10-yard per target number, he's going to have to have 130 targets. That's eight targets per game that he'll need to have. That's on the outside of where I think he'll be when you look at Lamar Jackson's total passes thrown. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely agree. Okay, so we're both on the over for for Marquise for 800 and 
yards and change. I'm still getting back to your spreadsheet here. Uh, but uh, but we're both on the over for that. Yep. Okay, so uh, good to move on. Yep. All right, so the next up is we have Mark Andrews, who uh, was definitely a steal in fantasy football last year. He was one of the latter tight ends taken, if he was even taken at all in a lot of drafts. And uh, he became one of the best tight ends in fantasy last season. So projections for this season are more in line with a player of his caliber compared to, he won't be a surprise anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he still, I think, has a lot of value. So his projections are 63 receptions for 843 yards, eight reception touchdowns. Uh, That basically is very similar to what they project for Hollywood Brown, about 7.6 points per game standard, 11.3 PPR. He's the third tight end taken in both standard and PPR. But in PPR, he's taken 45th overall. In standard, he's taken 33rd overall, Mm. which is interesting to me um, because I don't see that much of a difference for Mark Andrews. Uh, So if I can talk about what I think about Mark Andrews this season is so I think because of how good the Ravens offense was last year, he had a lot of opportunities he might not get this year in terms of touchdowns because of just (laughs) how many Lamar Jackson threw. I'm guessing his touchdown total will go down a little bit. And Mark Andrews might as a result. But I think that, you know, Mark Andrews, uh, he wasn't on the field as much as most of the top scoring tight ends because the Ravens had Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst. And I think with Hayden Hurst leaving, Mark Andrews is actually he's going to be on the field more. And because of that, he might, you know, then all of Hayden Hurst targets are up for grabs. So I think if Mark Andrews grabs a little bit of those, I think he's likely to stay where he was at last year. And I think these projections are about right, but if anything, I think the reception total might be a little higher, and I think he might be a little underrated in PPR, going 45th overall. I think maybe, you know, more like 40th to 35th, somewhere around there is more in line with where he should be, because he is one of the top tight ends in fantasy, in my opinion. I'll, I'll trust you on the draft position. Let me th- let me comment on a couple of things relative to what you said. The offense, uh, his uh, his offensive participation is 41. percent He had actually the exact same number of offensive snaps as Hayden Hurst had last year. So Hayden Hurst was used more in a blocking role. Um, when Mark Andrews was in, he caught the ball. Uh, sorry, he was targeted on 21 percent of the snaps he was in. Uh, in the case of Hearst, it was eight and a half percent. So it's not too surprising that Hearst would want to move on from that sort of a situation. And and he was really probably the instigator of the trade. The Ravens were happy to do it because they have all of their tight ends coming due in the same year. And that wasn't a real comfortable contract position to be in either. The other thing I'll say about Andrews that was that was, was really interesting about last season. He made 16 catches on 17 targets in the first two weeks of the season. After that, Mark Andrews caught only 59 and a quarter percent of his targets the rest of the year, which is not very good. 48 out of 81. He had a lot of problems with hands. We, we remember the games in Seattle where he had three drops and and uh, other problems he had. And I'm not saying it wasn't a wet year for Ravens home games, but he had a lot of problems securing the football and, and frankly, catching uh, the football when it was thrown his way otherwise. Lamar had a lot of open targets for Andrews. So I don't think it is just contested catch rates on balls that Lamar was throwing to his primary um, difficulty option, we'll call it. Got it. Yeah, that that makes sense. So, so you're, 
You, are you an over or under on Andrews then? You're, you're, you're producing, for, you're projecting for increasing? I'm sorry, I don't want to take words yeah, out of you. I, I, think he's, I think he's actually about ranked where he should be. Um, if anything, I think it might be a little over on the receptions. I think, you know, like Lamar clearly likes Mark Andrews a lot, and uh, I could see him eclipsing 63 receptions. I think in terms of yards, 843 and touchdowns, eight. I think that's about right. I would agree. I, I, I think he was a good um, red zone target, and, and most of the good red zone targets for Lamar are not simply because of their size, but Andrew's case, it was more that, that, that Lamar was willing to put the ball up high in the back of the end zone. Even Boyle, um, Boyle, sorry, not Boyle, uh, Boykin was really a guy who got free of the coverage for Lamar for in each of his three touchdown instances. Andrews, there's a lot of balls thrown up high where Andrews, the only guy who can catch it kind of thing. They, the Ravens don't use any of the traditional fade patterns. They, they, in fact, they didn't have one on their 26 receptions inside the red zone last year, 26 touchdown receptions. So it's, it's interesting, a player like Andrews, in terms of that touchdown number, whether that might go up or down. But he's definitely a, uh, uh, still a favorite target of Lamar. And, and uh, other than the presence of Hollywood, I don't see any reason why he won't continue to be a favorite target. Yeah, that's another good point you bring up is that the Ravens offense looks pretty similar in terms of receivers. I mean, they added Duvernay and Prochet in the draft. They lost Seth Roberts but um, and Hayden Hurst, who didn't get that many targets. So I think overall, uh, you, when you evaluate like a new season for fantasy and you're, you want to look at the, what happened last season, was there any change that's going to affect things? And I think because the Ravens offense is pretty similar personnel wise to the one they put up last year, you can feel more safe in Mark Andrews repeating his production from last year for that reason. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that Andrews is going to continue to be a designated receiver in the sense that he'll be the guy on the field for third down. And from what we've heard from Roman this offseason, he said the Ravens are going to use multiple personnel groups. Now let's talk about what that actual means because anybody could say it and it'd sound good and it'd just be a quote from a coach you typically hear. But with the Ravens, general, what, what they mean when they have multiple personnel groups is they're not going to use the no huddle offense as a base. Because to have multiple personnel groups, you basically shuttle in three or four new of your skill position players on every single down that gives you a chance, or maybe every couple of downs, that gives you a chance to continually be tiring out the defense on some long drives. And I think that's his explanation of how they're going to get players like Duvernay and Prochet involved is that there's going to be so many personnel groups that they're trying to tire out the offense. He didn't say all that, but that's what I gleaned from it, I, from, from, his, from his comments on the interview the other day. And I think it's, it's an interesting way to go. It's the way the Saints have gone in the last decade a lot, is to, is to overwhelm you with, with, hell, with um, uh, receivers who are very uh, uh, un, not tired. Apologize for that. But uh, the, uh, it's not the Patriots way. It's not the, the, the Manning or Brady way in terms of wearing you out with an at-the-line-of-scrimmage called offense. And I, I don't think that's what they'll have with Lamar. I think I think it's more likely to be designated personnel groups. And and Andrew's certainly one of the guys that's impacted by that because it probably actually reduces his number of snaps from what he'd get with another team. Yeah, I would agree with that. I imagine he'd be playing uh, well above 50% with most teams. But like you said, the Ravens like to shuffle in a lot of different guys. Um, okay, so ready to go on to the next guy? Yes, please. Okay. 
So the next guy I have is Miles Boykin. He's the last receiver I have. Um, and the reason I have Miles Boykin and nobody else is because we sort of know what we're going to get with Willie Sneed. He doesn't have enough production to be valuable for fantasy, even if there's a run of injuries. He's probably not going to get much production. Uh, Boykin is an interesting name because he has immense potential in terms of his physical ability. I don't have the combine numbers in front of me, but I remember he blew away the combine. And in preseason last year, uh, training camp, he did really, really well. And he seems like the type of guy who could be a breakout player year two. Uh, in fantasy, I notice a lot of players who are year two wide receivers who people don't really know of too much tend to break out. I look at DJ Chark last year specifically. Uh, I don't think anyone drafted DJ Chark, and then he became one of the top players in fantasy. So I'm not going to go out there and say Boykin's going to be one of the top players in fantasy. But he is the type of guy that has the sort of potential that if he puts it all together, he could be a valuable target for the Ravens and thereby a valuable fantasy target, someone who you could get at the end of the draft and might be worth stashing as one of your last round picks and see if he turns into something. So a real high variance outcome that might really be good and, and valuable. Completely agree with that. Um, I'm trying to find a way that he could get a really big yardage total. I think there are, there are several positive factors going for him. First of all, he's working with Lamar, which I love. Bought his own jugs gun. I love that. The offseason prep seems to be what I'd hope for in terms of him improving his receiving skills, which is what he really needed to work on. So those two things, I think, cover that. The other thing, the Ravens love having him on the field because he's a great run blocker. So if, if he's going to be on the field for those plays and give you the look – as he's going to be on there to, to, to receive or to run block. I mean, obviously he's going to get his opportunities and, and I do look for, he's, he's the, the proto, the one prototypical size wide receiver the Ravens have that everybody wants six four two twenty, And he's got all those wonderful combine measurables. I do think he's a guy that, that we could see a big uptick from, and I can't necessarily say it's going to translate to a ton of yards, but you know, I'm I'm trying to look at it as could he be a guy who could get 90 targets in a year? It would require a change in Lamar's game and a change in the number of passes the Ravens have to throw for that to happen. But Miles Boykin, if he can be if he could be effective in terms of catching the football, I think could see a huge uptick in targets this year. Yeah, I agree. And even if he doesn't have you know a DJ Chark level breakout, uh, he could still have enough of a breakout that he becomes you know a worthy fantasy player of a bench spot if someone gets injured or someone you could even start as a flex play. A flex play is someone who is kind of a borderline start, uh, and you hope you put them in, you hope they do well. I think Boykin, with his size, and has uh, some good red zone potential. So he's the kind of guy that you think, okay, well, if he gets a touchdown, you know, he could be valuable for me if you have players on bye weeks or whatever. So I think he could be a valuable guy to have on your bench for that sort of reason. Uh, in terms of his projections, uh, <laughs> they're pretty uh, not good, to say the least. Uh, 29 receptions on the season for 382 yards. Three reception touchdowns that equates to uh, a little over three points per game uh, in standard and about five points per game in PPR. He is the 91st receiver taken in standard and the 97th receiver taken in PPR. So he's in a 12 team league. Yeah. And, and if you have 12 team leagues, he's not getting drafted. He's that means he's only getting drafted maybe in like 16 team leagues, which do exist, but are pretty rare. Most people do 10 to 12. Uh, team leagues. So Miles, you, you're drafting six wide receivers. Then, if he's he'd be your sixth wide receiver on most teams, if he's number 91 or 97, right? Yeah, and sometimes people will take that many wide receivers. Some people will take that many running backs. Um, 
when you get to sort of the tail end of the draft, like rounds 14, 15, 16, which are the last rounds, uh, you're sort of just picking players who you think less on position and more so, oh, I think this is guy has a chance to, you know, break out and be unexpected. You're taking long shot picks, basically. Um, which is where I think actually Boykin could be someone with, uh, you know, for the reasons we said, some uh, upside to be taken in those very late rounds. Okay. All right. Good. This is, I appreciate the education on fantasy football here because I really know nothing coming in. <laughs> That's uh, I, I, at uh, 29 for 382 and three touchdowns. I'm on the over on everything there based on, on what I've heard and seen from Boykin this offseason and the connection with Lamar. Uh, I think he'll, uh, he'll he'll outdo each of those. Yeah, I'm definitely on the over, too. I'm also higher on him specifically in standard than in PPR, because I think even if he does break out, like you said, it's hard to see him getting a big target share. But I think he can make, uh, for every catch, he could make you know some good yardage or even a touchdown out of it. And just to, to compare, last year he had 9.0 yards per target, and Hollywood only had 8.2. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say that that could that could could or should continue, but they've used him more as a vertical threat. And you know, one of the things that Boykin needs to do is be a guy who has a couple of different moves so he's effective at running other routes on the tree. Yeah, agreed. Okay, well, that's everyone I have for the receivers. I was thinking we could go uh, discuss the running back situation next. Sounds good. Okay, so for the running backs, uh, what are your thoughts on how the drafting of J.K. Dobbins is going to affect the Ravens' backfield in terms of touches? Because last year, Mark Ingram, he was one of the best running backs in fantasy. And I don't see that happening again with J.K. Dobbins, but would like to get your thoughts on uh, how that whole situation will unfold. Right. So you draft a running back the second round. um, They're going to need to produce very quickly. Uh, to to make that pick worth it. So it's not, it, it, obviously the, the Ravens coaches will see what they'll see. They'll decide how to divide this. They obviously have a lot of talent at running back to choose from. They also have big injury risks uh, at running back because, hey, running backs get injured, and that's the reason they gave for drafting in the first place. But uh, I, I would say there's a sooner rather than later bias with running backs drafted this high. You need to find out what you have, get the most value you can. Dobbins is a guy who comes in with a ton of tread wear from, from OSU. So I don't know what they'll try and do in terms of reducing his, his snap count to keep him fresher as the season goes on. But he's not a guy that is apparent he would need it. He's been a workhorse uh, that has gotten through uh, you know some very heavy workloads the last three seasons. So uh, you know I, I expect he'll be the number one back uh, at some point. Uh, I don't know exactly when, and it could be that they love him so much that they end up trading a back by the end of camp. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if either Justice Hill or Edwards were traded. They like one of their undrafted guys that much more, and they derive some value from somebody they just picked up. In which case, obviously, Dobbins' target share goes up, brother. Yeah, and I'm thinking for game day, do you think they'll probably only keep three running backs active? Yeah, but he's not in danger in any case. He's not in danger in any way. Yeah, being active. Yeah. about that is just in terms of speaking about Mark Ingram, I think he's still going to get a lot of because it's not like they're activating J.K. Dobbins in addition to Justice Hill. You know, Justice Hill is losing whatever action he had. And uh, I think Dobbins Ingram will have a lower share because Dobbins is a higher drafted running back compared to Justice Hill. But I do think Mark Ingram still has like good fantasy value, not as high as before drafting Dobbins. But I think 
he's still going to be getting enough looks in a prolific offense to be worthy of a fantasy start. Yeah. I mean, he certainly was a terrific player last year. I, I, I am a little bit concerned that I, I haven't heard that everything is okay from the injury he had at the end of the year, which is frankly a little bit mysterious. And he's still, you know, rub it on, on the sideline if it's just soft tissue or if there's something more to it than that. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I'm, I would, I would agree that I'm, I'm optimistic about what he'll do. And I, I think you've got him in short of a thousand yards here at 821. I think that's probably appropriate. Um, I, I, I wouldn't put him as low as 500, but if I had to look at that, I might say the 170 rushes and 821 would be a slight over for me. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think it's a slight over for me too. Uh, I, I just think with Dobbins, it's it's so hard with when you have like a rookie who's drafted high because you just don't know how good is he going to be, how quickly is he going to become good, when's he going to take over, and you know we can uh, we can theorize, but we would never really know until the games get started. So, you know that does make drafting him a little bit more riskier. So I think. Uh, you know, I think the, a little bit over on the rushes and the yards. I think the recept he has 24 receptions for 195 yards. Uh, two reception touchdowns are projected. I think that is about accurate. I think he's going to get a few receptions a game here and there. Uh, so for PPR purposes, I think I like him a little better than in standard. Uh, for that reason, uh, he is the 25th running back taken in standard, 27th in PPR. Uh, I would say that's probably about right, given that he's he's a good player in a committee situation. That's about where I would expect him to go. That sounds reasonable. That's about eight yards a catch. And I was going to try and look up how much his uh, yards per target were last year. Let me just get that number really quickly here. Uh, yeah, his yards per target of 8.5, which is outstanding for a running back. By far the best number of his career. Yeah, so I wouldn't expect. Yeah, I would not expect him to continue that. By the way, his previous high, even even playing in that high-powered Saints offense, was 6.8 yards per target. So he's a complete outlier yard, outlier year from that perspective. Yeah, definitely. All right, so for J.K. Dobbins, they have him uh, for 129 rushes for about 600 yards. Uh, 17 receptions for 140 yards. They have him with four rushing touchdowns. So they have him at a little under six point per, points per game in standard, a little under seven points per game in standard. He's the 29th running back taken overall in standard, the 32nd in PPR. Um, I think uh, I like him better in standard than in PPR. I, I'm not. What do you think about his pass catching ability? That's not something I'm too knowledgeable about. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the the comparisons to Ray Rice are early and many. And in Ohio State's offense, they didn't they didn't throw as much to him, and he still had a decent reception total, but but it wasn't exceptional. I, I should I should look that up before I say that. But I would say that the 17 receptions to me in an NFL offense looks a little low, and that they may be trying to do some things with pony backfields this year. I mean, they've got so many options, so many potential personnel groups they can put in. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be unheard of that the Ravens are going to want to have two tailbacks in the game at once, whether that means Hill as a flanker or in some other role that that's that's uh, different from directly in the backfield, or whether it means you have Edwards as a single tailback and somebody like Dobbins is in motion somewhere. I think you got lots of options for exactly how they would do it, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see more pony this year. 
Yeah, I agree with that. And so Dobbins is the 29th running back taken in standard, the 32nd in PPR. I'm actually a little bit higher on the average drafted position than that he's being taken right now. And the reason for that is I think he compares uh, favorably to Miles Sanders coming out last year. So Miles Sanders last year, he wasn't really a guy who you would play most weeks. If you had a lot of injuries or bye weeks, you might put him in. But towards the end of the season, as he started to get better in the NFL and Jordan Howard got injured, he actually became one of the best running backs in fantasy. And I think Dobbins has that sort of potential where if Mark Ingram does get injured, and like you said, Ken, he we don't know too much about his injury from last season. Uh, Dobbins has the sort of talent where if he takes over the Ravens running back position, as we saw with Gus Edwards in 2018 and Mark mm-hmm. Ingram last year, the Ravens' top running back position is a very fantasy prolific one because of uh, the opportunities that Lamar Jackson creates for running backs. Right. So Dobbins is a guy that has the potential with one injury to become possibly like a top 10 running back in fantasy towards the end of the season once you get into playoffs. And I think that as people with Miles Sanders from last year know, that is something that could be very valuable. So okay, I think so Dobbins go, – go ahead, Ken. I was just going to say, so it's, it's more about the variance he brings and the upside he brings that he'd be the on average, say, the third running back that a typical fantasy team would take at 29 or 32 in a 12-team league, say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that makes all kinds of sense to me. Not even not being a fantasy player, uh, 598 yards is would not be good enough to get there. And Ingram is going to be a lower variance outcome on that total seems to be drafted only slightly higher, but still a third running back for most teams. They're betting on Dobbins upside with a, a selection that high. Yeah, they are. And with Dobbins, the other thing is when you get to running backs at the range that Dobbins is being taken, uh, running backs are really hard to get for fantasy. It's Wide receivers are a lot more plentiful, especially in PPR when it comes to the volume of wide receivers available. So when you get to that point, like the 30th running back in the draft, you're kind of at that point because so many teams have committees at this point uh, in the cycle of the NFL. So you're kind of looking for guys with upside. At least that's what I do is when I get to like that late, I think what's a guy with upside and you take a guy that, you know, if you have to plug him in one week or he has, you know, an excellent matchup, uh, you know, you feel confident that he's going to give your fantasy team some value. And I think the variance at that position is better than having a guy who is going to be stable, but very low scoring. Okay, so just looking up, looking at what Dobbins did at Ohio State, he had 71 catches in three years, very consistent, 22, 26, 23. Remember, this is a shorter season, of course, but it's he still sounds like a catch and a half per game in Ohio State's offense. Now, that's not going to be what the Ravens run, obviously, and when you can run for 6.2 yards per carry as he did in his college career, there's not the same incentive to use you as a pass-catching option. They may use other guys and, and always have you as the main uh, player that the other team is going to key on and, and allow you to use that to, to get other players free. So I, I I would think he'd be a better, a bigger receiving target at the NFL level. But, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not really ready to project that yet. And, and unfortunately, I don't have target numbers on what's available on uh, college football reference. OK, yeah, sounds like he has potential there. Uh, so that's uh, good to note. Uh, ready to go on to the next guy? Absolutely. All right. So next guy is Gus Edwards, who, to be frank, 
uh, doesn't really have any fantasy value as long as uh, Ingram and Dobbins are in front of him. His projections are for 66 rushes, 320 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, he's the 69th running back taken in standard, the 82nd in PPR. So he's basically not getting drafted unless you're in a 14 or 16 team league uh, for the most part. So I think he's a guy that you, you don't want to draft him, obviously, but I think he's if Ingram or Dobbins were to get injured, he's someone who would be worth picking up, putting in for a good matchup. Or if, you know, God forbid, Ingram and Dobbins got injured, then Edwards, like he was in 2018, would probably become one of the best running backs in fantasy, especially in standard. Edwards, an absurdly consistent player, even though he went from 11 games and six starts to 16 games and one start. His his numbers, you couldn't pick them apart from the two seasons. He had uh, 137, 133 rushes, yards, 718, 711, touchdowns, two both years. Uh, yards per, per carry were 5.2 and 5.3. Uh, you know, he had two receptions one year, seven the next. So you know, that's not a big part of his game. Anyway, you, you've, you've got a guy who's basically absolutely duplicated his outstanding rookie season in his second year. And he's projected on fantasy systems to have 382 yards. I'm sorry, 320 yards uh, is, is to me kind of shorting him. Now, in when do most of these drafts occur would be one of my questions. Because if Edwards to be traded towards at the end of camp, are the drafts usually done by then? Um, they're normally the drafts are normally done in August. Uh, I'd say like the first half of August is when I guess most of the drafts are done. Like probably between week two and three of preseason around there. Um, so definitely good to, you know, keep a tabs on the backfield situation, see how it's all shaking out given the uncertainty right now. And I think you're right with Edwards. They definitely, the projections are underselling him because he has been a pretty solid player. And I imagine the Ravens will still want to give him some opportunities because of that. I mean, 66 carries, that's, that's good cut his carries in half. And as a size and shape player, I mean, he's the Ravens biggest back. And he certainly gives them the most thump in the middle. I've had this conversation a lot because it's the 25th anniversary team is coming up. But but Jamal Lewis, I mean, what would he have been in this current Ravens offense? I mean, just to me, he'd be a massive uh, weapon, uh, you know, to, to complement Lamar if if they had him right now. And and Edwards is the closest thing they have to that in terms of of speed and size ingram has maybe more cutting ability and you know showed some ability good ability to run through tackles last year and dobbins we don't know exactly what he is yet but to have edwards carries cut in half i mean i'm thinking if that were really true the ravens auto look to move him because he's more valuable to some other team yeah i agree all right so ready to go on yeah absolutely player is Lamar Jackson. Uh, like I said, historic 2019 season. Um, the projections do have him uh, with some regression, which I think is fair. So they have him for uh, 301 attempts for 301 completions uh, with 468 attempts, 64.3 completion percentage, probably about accurate in terms of how that equates to fantasy stats. They have him with 3,439 yards, 30 touchdowns, 160 rushes, 922 yards, six rushing touchdowns, uh, 12 interceptions. That comes out to 20.7 fantasy points per game. Um, what do you think about those uh, stats, Ken? 
Okay, so look, starting a, looking across, it's a slight reduction in completion percentage. The big number that jumps off the page is it's a 17% increase in attempts. Now, I played 15 games last year. Basically, he's healthy. He was removed some at the end, obviously, uh, for a lot of RG3 garbage time uh, to be taken care of. So the Ravens didn't really have to throw that much. They ran effectively with the lead, as we mentioned before. Uh, I do think he'll throw more passes this year. I don't think he'll necessarily play 16 games. Possibly getting hurt is good. The possibility of missing week 17 is good. Uh, so I don't think necessarily he'll pick up a game in that regard. So a 17% increase in, in attempts is maybe more than 100% reflecting what I expect in an increase in attempts from him. I would have said 440 to 450 would have been my number uh, for, for this season, all other things being equal, and effectively putting him at the same number of games, that 15 is probably the most likely number of games started for Lamar in, 20, in 2020. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, I, I'm with you. I think he's going to throw a little more than last season for the reasons you listed. Um, so I think I think passing yards are uh, probably about right. You know, I would imagine like a little over 200 yards per game is what he would be averaging with passing yards. Uh, and passing touchdowns with 30, uh, you know, I'm hopeful, but I'm not really expecting that high, I think. He obviously had 36 last season. It was pretty, really impressive. Um, I think it might regress a little more than that. Uh, but touchdowns, you know, it's hard to hard to say. Those are less predictable than other, like, yards and stats, yards and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, the number I hope is not as high as they have it projected for here is 12 interceptions. I'd, I'd like him to keep that number down. And if it was 29 and 8 or, you know, 27 and 8 even, I, I you know, I'd be perfectly happy with that. I, I having 30 touchdowns and 12 interceptions is not exactly the ratio that the Ravens would be excited about. Uh, Lamar Jackson so far has had 3.6 touchdowns per turnover in his pro career. And that's even with some of the fumbling issues. Uh, he's got the highest quarterback rating of anybody not named Pat Mahomes in NFL history with 500 or more total passing attempts. So, I mean, we, we can wow. talk about him in a, in a lot of ways, but, uh, but you know, he's got a higher passer rating right now than Brady and Manning and Breeze and Rodgers and all of those great quarterbacks who've, who've you know, obviously logged a lot of years so far. I, I expect regression. I expect him to not quite have the same kind of year, and I don't expect him to be 36-6 and six again, but I want him to keep that interception total down. And he's been very careful with the football, generally speaking. So I think that that's the place uh, where he can do well. But it is a natural consequence of being behind more that you're going to end up having more interceptions thrown. So if the Ravens go uh, 10 and 6, 11 and 5, kind of a normal division winning record, which they might, um, then he uh, he stands to pick up some additional interceptions from that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I definitely think he's going to be uh, below 12 interceptions too, uh, especially with last season. I mean, not to be like a couch ref, but with in the Steelers game, he threw three of them and two of them were pretty questionable. So I think, you know, overall, he's maybe like seven to eight interceptions is what I would put him at. Um, in terms of rushes and rush yards, I think they're actually pretty accurate here. Uh, 160 rushes for one for 922 yards, six rushing touchdowns. Um, I think maybe he might even have a few more rushing touchdowns possibly. 
Uh, I think, you know, they're going to use him in the red zone some still. I think the attempts and the yards are about accurate. I don't expect them him to run as much as he did last season, given that they added Dobbins, and they probably do want to be safe with him because uh, this is definitely a team that expects to make a deep playoff run. Yeah, there's there's no quarterback in NFL history, not Michael Vick, not no one, who's ever run even close to the amount Lamar does. I, I don't want to give away. There's another study being worked on currently that, that we're going to feature on this show. But uh, but it's remarkable the amount he's run more than every other quarterback out there. He's the he's the ultimate outlier. And so last year, just just uh, to say, in 15 games, he had 176 rushes for 1206. I think 160 rushes is too high. I'm going to say that. I think he'll run 145 times. Might be my over under for what we see from him this year. I think there'll be a, a, an active effort to try and reduce his. Um, uh, runs and try and turn more of them into either short passes or other off the edge situations where they can where they can uh, give the ball to a player in motion uh, to try and get a similar result to to what they've gotten out of the uh, zone read. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And for long term, Lamar Jackson's career definitely seems like the right move to reduce it somewhat. Um, and then in terms of where he's being drafted, he's the first quarterback drafted, which I absolutely agree with. In standard, he's the 19th player taken. In PPR, he's the 21st player taken. Uh, quarterbacks are more valuable in standard leagues because quarterbacks don't catch passes. Yeah, receptions, so, sure. Exactly. So, uh, you know, receivers and run, running backs to a lesser extent score higher in PPR compared to standard, and quarterbacks are the same in both. Still um, 19th taken? I mean, there's no defensive yeah. players, first of all, individually, so none of them are 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 cock-blocking him, so to speak. So what's the, what's the rest of this coming from? <laughs> yeah, well, with so with quarterbacks in fantasy, uh, the difference between you only start one quarterback, whereas you start two running backs, two wide receivers, and you have one flex, which can be either a running back, receiver, or tight end. That's how most leagues do it. Some leagues have it different. Uh, but the difference between the first quarterback and the 12th quarterback, which only 12 quarterbacks start a week, Historically, there hasn't been that big a difference between them because uh, there's, there's 12, you know, there's definitely 12 valuable high scoring QBs. Even when you get on like the lower end QBs, guys like uh, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray are guys who could put up huge numbers and they're, you know, on the lower echelon of uh, quarterbacks. So I think if you're drafting Lamar, that so I took Lamar in one of my leagues last year, and he basically carried my team. Uh, it was <laughs> definitely my best pick probably ever to get him very late. But this year, at that high, I'm not sure if I like taking him, given the opportunity cost. You're basically giving up a guy who's probably would otherwise be your top running back or top wide receiver. And I think with the NFL being a passing league, there's going to be enough of a volume of quarterbacks where... Uh, the difference between Lamar at the top and 12th best quarterback isn't going to be that high. And I think given the likelihood of regression, even though I think Lamar will be the best quarterback in fantasy this year, I don't think he's going to be the best quarterback in fantasy history last, this year like he was last year. So I'm I'm not personally uh, going to take Lamar at 19th overall or 21st overall. I'm 0.5 PPR, so not taking him at 20th overall. But uh, I mean, that's ultimately a team building philosophy. That's up to you to decide. So so in terms of points per game, where did Lamar fit in last year in the entire league, not just quarterbacks? 
so he had 28.11 points per game, and quarterbacks are generally the highest scoring player on a fantasy team. So Lamar was definitely like by far the, um, I mean, Christian McCaffrey had a historic season too, but Lamar overall was definitely the highest scoring player in fantasy. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, Eli, this has been a lot of fun and, and, uh, you know, not knowing anything about fantasy football, appreciate you bearing with me through this and, and, you know, we're talking player projections. That's the interesting part of this to me in terms of the, uh, what's going on here. Uh, Boy, I'll tell you what, the, the, the guy here who really stands out is Gus Edwards to me in terms of a guy who's probably very undervalued by the fantasy community, or if he's really going to lose this much in terms of his rushes and rush yards, is a guy the Ravens really ought to think about, is there another team that can get more value out of him and can we get, can we get something back in exchange? Yeah, that would definitely could seem like a good deal for all parties involved. And I have one more note to make about fantasy, uh, just specifically with the Ravens defense. Uh, So fun fact is that since the Ravens acquired Marcus Peters, they were the number one defense in fantasy. No fantasy defense, even the Patriots scored more points than they did after they acquired Marcus Peters. So I think for 2020, uh, with the improvements of the pass rush with Calais Campbell, Derek Wolfe, and just how aggressive Wink Martindale is, which produces more sacks and turnovers, so aggressive defenses do better in fantasy. Uh, the Ravens' defense in fantasy is being the third overall taken right now. I think they should be the first overall taken. Ah, okay. Well, that's good to hear. And and I would agree they were the best defense in football after they fixed their many problems in the Week 5 to Week 7 range. They acquired Peters for Week 7, but in Week 5 they – swapped out their entire inside linebacking core by acquiring Fort and Bynes, and that, that immediately paid dividends. And then they made the other changes at nose tackle by moving to this roster that had four nose tackles on it and not much else in terms of defensive linemen. Uh, and, and that was effective as well in, in terms of minimizing the damage from the run, which was, which was still uh, not at the normal Ravens levels. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, once they fixed everything and got Marcus Peters, uh, this was the best defense in fantasy, and I expect that to continue next season. All right. Well, pleasure having you on, Eli. We went a little longer than we expected, but that's okay. When it's a good conversation, we do that. Um, tell Is there anything you need to plug, anything you'd like to talk about, your leagues, anything? Uh, you know, just, uh, I guess, one humble brag. I've won four championships in 16 paid attempts, so that's my resume if anyone's interested. Uh, one plug I would like to do is there's a thing that I learned from Matthew Barry. He wrote an article about it called Championship Causes, where he encourages people who win money in fantasy leagues, and some of them are worth a lot of money, to donate a small portion of their winnings to a foundation of a player who helped you win. So in 2018, I won one of my leagues, and I donated to Adam Thielen's foundation. He was one of the players on my team that helped me win the championship. So I think it's you know just overall a nice thing to do. It's good to do some charity work when you win fantasy football. It's a great cause, and just wanted to pass that forward. All right, very cool. Well, Eli, thanks for coming on, and uh, by all means, keep in touch, and let's uh, let's see if we can come up with another good fantasy topic, whether it's in midseason or next year in the offseason. Appreciate having you on, my friend. All right, it was a great time. Thanks, Ken. Right. And if you're out there and you'd like to also come on Film Study for a short, we'd love to have you. We uh, are doing a lot of them right now. Contact me. DM by Twitter is probably the easiest way to get the ball started. But the entire process in, in going from uh, idea to actual recording is probably a week at most. Eli, you first contacted me about that long ago. Sound about right? Yeah, yeah sounds right.
All right. Wonderful. Love to hear from you out there. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.